welcome to the Heal Trauma Bonding Show, the place for relationship empowerment and actionable tools so you can let go of old wounds and create a happy, loving relationship. Whether you're single, married, divorced, or anything in between, set yourself up for relationship success. I'm Dr. Sarah, expert clinical psychologist and consultant, helping business leaders and entrepreneurs to feel more connected and whole. Let's get started. Hello, friends. Today, I'm going to be talking about two really important topics that come up time and time again with the clients that I work with, with people who contact me. And those two topics are career and being successful in terms of our work, as well as our relationships. Now, both things are really important to a lot of us, but sometimes they're in conflict. And one common theme that I often see in people is that they will work incredibly hard trying to be the best person that they could possibly be, whatever arena that's in, whether it be in their work, whether it be in their success, whether it be in their relationship, in their marriage, with their family, with their friends, whether that be in a sport, in a hobby, whatever it might be. But often I come across people who are are really dedicated to their discipline. They're really motivated and they want to do their best. They're constantly striving to achieve, to progress, to better themselves. But unfortunately, sometimes success comes at the sacrifice of our relationship. And I'm particularly talking about when you're trying to succeed in a professional sense, when you're trying to succeed financially. So often how the story goes is that there will be a couple one of those individuals will be working so, so hard, they will be trying to gain as much success as possible and they're striving to succeed, they're striving to gain financial independence, to provide for their family, to do whatever it is that they can do to be the best provider. And yet somehow, even though the original goal was that they wanted to work really hard so that they could have a better life with their family, with their friends, to support their children, that doesn't end up being the case. And actually they end up sacrificing the family, the friendships, the connections, the romantic relationship. They sacrifice all of that stuff so that they could have the success at work. And guess what? Even then the success at work doesn't necessarily matter because they might get to the point where they've achieved the success, but they've lost everything else on the way or they don't actually get that success. Or if they get there, it feels really hollow and it's always the next step and the next step and the next step that they're looking for. So these people end up rarely being satisfied. And the reason why I'm talking about this really is because it is so detrimental to both persons on either side of the relationship. Whether you're the person who's succeeding and working really, really hard and you're achieving so much, or if you're the other partner, waiting there patiently. And I can talk about a number of clients actually that I've had who have been in similar situations, but how it tends to be is that one person will be the striver, will be the achiever, will be the perfectionist, will be the person who is always relentless at what it is that they're trying to do and trying to achieve. And they're very masculine in their energy. And when I say masculine, I'm not necessarily talking about 
that these are always men. It can also be women as well, but they tend to be people who are so driven and so ambitious, which is, by the way, not a bad quality as such, but it becomes bad quality when it has a detrimental impact on their relationship. And so what happens is that they're striving so, so much, but they also leave their partner behind. And this is really tied into a few personality traits. So I'm going to go over a couple of them really just to illustrate the point. So let's say we've got two people in a partnership. The person who is working so hard, they're striving, they're working to achieve certain levels of success. They're more than likely to have certain personality traits. And these are the following. They are either an achiever, a perfectionist, a challenger, or an individualist. So what do these traits even mean? And and why am I even talking about this? Well, okay, what do these mean? So the achiever is somebody who wants to achieve a lot of things. Um, But the problem that they have is that even though they might achieve a lot, they also feel like a lot is never enough. And that trait as well is very much reflected in their relationship. So they're working hard to achieve, to strive in their work. But then when it comes to their relationship and they're going back home to their partner, they also look at their partner and it's almost like there's this expectation, even if it's an unspoken expectation, but they almost feel like that their partner isn't enough for them either. And so this is when we start to have really difficult traits and really difficult dynamics that then emerge within the relationship. Because even though their partner has been sat there at home patiently waiting, perhaps made dinner for them, clean the house, and is just trying to have fun and trying to connect with them, that doesn't feel enough for the achiever, okay? So these are kind of extreme achievers and these are individuals, particularly when they're not that self-aware. Then you've got the perfectionist. Perfectionist is basically what it says on the tin. So these people have got a real great skill at excelling. So whatever it is that they're trying to pursue, they excel at that because they are looking for perfection. And guess what? They tend to excel at their work, at their career. However, the problem with these guys is that they're also holding the same standard at home. And again, their partner may be left there feeling quite inadequate and and maybe feeling really, really anxious and really tense and don't know what would be enough because they're working really hard to be that perfect vision. But guess what? We're all human we all have flaws and they just can't live up to those expectations. So again, things start breaking down there. And you know what, even though if this is not necessarily spoken, and even if this doesn't necessarily come out in shouting matches or arguments or anything like that, but it's implicitly spoken about, it is actually the stuff between the lines. So what's not communicated and what's not spoken about is screaming out in these moments. It doesn't matter if it's not said, hey, you're not good enough, or hey, I've got these standards and you're not meeting them, because it's going to come out in the behavior, it's going to come out in the action, it's going to come out energetically between the vibe of the partners and actually just the energy in the household. So it's really important to be aware of these traits. And then we move into the challenger. So the challenger is someone that I alluded to before or a trait that I alluded to before. And the challenger is 
an individual who is so determined to find out the truth and the accuracy of certain information that they often actually end up being so, so analytical at everything that they look at. And so they end up constantly challenging every single situation, every single bit of information that they get, every single argument that they come across, whatever it might be, but they are constantly challenging everything that's presented to them. And they do that because they've got this inherent belief that they are correct or they must be correct. There's kind of this level of certainty inside of themselves. And guess what? That level of certainty is not necessarily real. It's actually their ego trying to protect themselves. And it's a self-defense mechanism whereby they might actually feel really low in terms of their self-worth. They might be really anxious about how intelligent they appear to other people. And so what they do is, rather than sit with that anxiety, with that uncertainty and you know, potentially accept, hey, you know what, sometimes I might be wrong about something. Instead of remaining in that space, they actually start really, really challenging anybody and everybody around them. And so in a way, it's almost like putting up the brick walls. Hey, you can't poke holes at me because I've got a brick wall that's cemented over, that's so, so solid, that's so protective but I can poke holes at you because I can stand up above the wall and I can shoot arrows at you. That's kind of how the story goes. And so with the challenger, they also end up excelling at their work. And I've met so many people who end up being senior managers or CEOs or directors of certain companies, and they are challengers. Now, interestingly, even though they might succeed, they also have a lot of breakdowns in all of their relationships and all of their interactions. And that's because they're so challenging, right? They end up in so many arguments and and they do become very, very argumentative. And people with narcissistic tendencies also tend to fit into this category. So it becomes uh, very uh, tricky and, and it tends to be more antagonistic narcissism as opposed to the other forms of narcissism. But this also then creates a power imbalance and a power dynamic. So when this person goes home, because they have been so used to being at the top of the hierarchy, particularly at work or particularly in arguments when they're challenging other people and the other person is like, oh, I give up. I'm just exhausted from this argument. I want, I want out. And they, uh, you know, the other person might not even care about the argument anymore because this person, the challenger, has argued time and time again that they just don't know um, how else to leave the argument, but to just kind of say, okay, I give up. What happens is that the challenger then rises to the top and they stay at the top and they hold the position of power. They maintain that hierarchy and balance. So when they go home, they're almost in a similar modality and they're expecting their partner to also behave in the same way. And so this is when we end up with a lot of learnt helplessness from the other side. So partners may just have resigned to the fact that they no longer have control over the relationship or control is not necessarily shared, that they can't have a disagreement or a difference of opinion in the relationship because actually they'll just be challenged and so they kind of have to back out and that's that. So again, we can see how these types of traits would harbour 
problems within the relationship. And then finally, I mentioned about the individualist personality trait. Now, the individualist is somebody who feels very different. They feel as if nobody else in the world really understands them, that they are unique in some way, that their pain is unique in some way. And so they remain in that suffering uniquely though, right? And so what's interesting about the individualist is because they have such a a unique perception on life, they actually become really creative. And so these people tend to be very successful in the creative spaces. So if you look at um, famous people, for example, so famous artists, Van Gogh, or even Lady Gaga, like all of these people are individualists because they are so unique in their own way. But also what comes with that is this great sense of loneliness. And interestingly, they may have a lot of people around them, they may have a spouse, but even with that, there's still this continued sense of loneliness. And so how that might happen within relationships with their spouse is, let's say one person's an individualist and they've got their partner there waiting for them. The individualist knows that their partner is waiting for them, but they still feel detached. There's still some level of dissociation. There's still this disconnect from their partner. And it's a tricky dynamic because they want to connect. They want to feel held. They want to feel loved. But at the same time, they feel that nobody understands them, including their partner. So they might see their partner working really hard to try and understand them. But by that very virtue and by their partner saying, hey, I understand where you're coming from, they then respond with, but you don't. And by that very sentence of you saying that you understand me, you really don't understand me. So with uh, people who are in that sort of relationship and that dynamic, so for the person, the partner of the individualist, actually something that I often talk about, and I've done this a lot in terms of uh, couples therapy and couples coaching, is that it's actually down to the partner to recognise that they don't know fully what's going on for the individualist partner. And even though that might be a hard pill to swallow, but it's true because every single one of us in life have walked a different path. We have all had a different journey in life. And even twins have very different experiences of life as well. Even though they're genetically the same, they've been brought up in the same household, but they would still have different perceptions. And so by the very virtue that you're different people, your experiences are different. And so to the individualist, what I would say is, you're right, I don't understand, but I'm here and I'm willing to listen and I want to connect. And that is it. That's as, that. That's all that's needed. And so, you know, I've spoken about different personality traits there, uh, particularly for people who've become incredibly successful and really struggle in their relationship. And this is really down to their personality traits. But some of them, you'll notice, they have more um, harsher more punitive elements to their traits, which may go down the path of narcissism, it may go down the path of Machiavellianism or even sociopathy. So it it can get quite dangerous there. However, even if we're not talking about diagnostic criteria and we're just simply talking about people 
on a regular scale, because bearing in mind that all of these traits are on a continuum, they all struggle to one degree or another, and their partner struggles to the degree in which you know, the person with the traits struggle as well. So, so this all becomes a messy dynamic because the people on the other side, the people who've been patiently waiting, who are wanting to make their partner happy, who are wanting to please their partner and they're just looking to be loved, they're just looking to feel good enough, they're just looking to connect, those people also have certain traits. So just to briefly talk about some of these personality traits. Now, one of these traits that often come up is the helper. Now, the helper is somebody who loves to help. They have this huge level of empathy with people around them. But when we're talking about empathy, there are different degrees to empathy. So the most basic form of empathy would be, I understand what you're going through, full stop. A more increased version of the level of empathy would be, I have compassion and kindness for what it is that you're going through. And then if you were to turn up the dial on that, would be, I want to remove the pain from you and I would rather take the pain myself. I would rather rescue you than have you in this situation. And the the more that we turn up the dial on, on the empathy level, the more into rescuing mode the, these people enter. And so what happens is that they end up in a really difficult dynamic because they're really wanting to help their partner. They're really wanting to care for their partner. And by the way, care is a normal part of a relationship. It's actually a normal part of emotional co-regulation and it can be incredibly healthy and incredibly nurturing and freeing and healing. However, there is a huge difference between caring and caregiving, right? And so the people who have the helper personality trait and they start to bump it up so that it's not just I have empathy, but actually I want to rescue you, the more that they enter that zone, the more difficulties that actually creates within the relationship because they're seeing their partner, the partner is working really, really hard. The partner might be doing their own things, struggling with their workload or struggling with different dynamics, whatever it is that their partner has going on for their life. The helper is sat there patiently waiting, wanting to rescue. But what happens is that the rescue doesn't feel appropriate. It doesn't feel right. So uh, there are so many complications that this creates. Number one, for the fact that the helper wants to rescue, it's also implicitly indicating that the partner is a victim or the partner is helpless. Because otherwise, why would somebody rescue someone who's doing all right? Like, it just wouldn't make sense. Uh, You would only ever rescue someone who is a victim, who is helpless, right? And so inadvertently, the person who's helping is kind of labeling their partner as being helpless. And guess what? For someone who's an achiever or someone who's striving or someone who's a challenger, that does not sit well. And so what happens is that actually they push away that rescue, they smack it in the face 
and they actually start to be really punitive about it and they start to become more and more harsh and actually that's when we start to see more aggravation really being lit up and guess what the person who was so innocently just trying to help out and just trying to rescue and make sure that everything was okay they feel hurt, they've been burnt, they are really, really injured, and so they don't know what to do anymore. And, you know, this really sets precedence as well for a codependency relationship, which again, is not healthy. So what might happen is that, let's say, if the person who is the achiever or or the perfectionist, the challenger, let's say those individuals, they take the rescue, hypothetically they take the rescue might not happen might happen but let's say they did this time now what happens is the the person who's the helper they think yes finally i've been able to get them to listen to me and finally i'm able to support them and we can have a connection again we can feel supported we can feel loved we can nurture our relationship everything is going to be great but then there's this dynamic where the helper only really feels functional or only really feels like they're being paid attention to when they're helping, when they're rescuing. Because guess what? If they weren't helping, if they weren't rescuing, their partner would still be at work. Their partner would still be on their business trip. Their partner would still be doing X, Y, and Z and the helper would still be at home. Like they would still be there waiting patiently. And so there's this real subconscious dilemma that's occurring in the sense that they want to feel like an equal party in the relationship, they want to feel connected, they want love, they want acceptance, but they don't know how to get any of those things because their partner physically isn't there. And so the only way that they've been able to get those things is by providing support. And so the more support that they can provide, well, maybe that can be the foundation of the relationship. And unfortunately, what happens is that the lines get very, very blurred. And so it's really confusing to see where the definitive line is between supporting your partner, because that's what partners do, and that's okay, versus rescuing your partner. There's a real distinction there. There's a real, real difference. And, you know, I I was working with a couple In fact, it was a few weeks ago and it was interesting hearing them talk because they were both talking about the same exact problem that they were experiencing, but they were seeing it from very different lenses. And he was getting very, very infuriated because he felt like he wasn't being appreciated enough in terms of his provisions, in terms of how hard he was working. Whereas she didn't feel like he was really paying her much attention or or giving her much affection. And so interestingly, there was this really, really difficult dynamic and the lines between them got incredibly blurred. And it was only really through me actually pointing out, hey, you know what, this is your stuff, this is your stuff, these are the differences, that's when they could actually see the light. And so that's something that I would really recommend for all of you is that if you do find yourself in this conflicted situation and you you really can't tell what's what, it's because you're too deep in it. And when you're in it, you can't see out of it. And so it's really important to have somebody who's outside, who's impartial, who's also professional and, and experienced and skilled in this to actually be able to see in it and really let you know what's going on.
And so with that note, it's really about us then considering, well, what are the most important things for you in a relationship for really nurturing a healthy and successful relationship? Because if the foundation is just one element, for example, if it is just I'm going to provide for you or I'm going to support you or I'm going to love you, I'm going to care for you, whatever those things might be, by the way, they always tend to be positive in terms of the intention, but if it's only one thing, then you're really restricting your horizons in terms of what a relationship truly is. And a relationship is based on so many different things, but if we're focused in on one specific task or one specific target, then what that indicates is it's really your personality trait coming out. And that personality trait is actually going to overtake and it's really going to skew the type of relationship that you really want. And unfortunately, we may be directed to a place where we think we're really doing well and that we're moving towards the direction that we want. For example, I've worked with so many uh, really successful entrepreneurs, business leaders who are seven, eight figures, and they have worked so hard to get that independence and to get that success. And they believe that, hey, if I do this, I'm doing this for my family, I'm doing this for my relationship, for my partner. But actually, it ends up breaking down their relationship. And they've worked so, so hard that they end up forgetting what was back at home and why they were even doing this in the first place. So I really want to leave you with the final note of please consider what's most important to you because that's the thing that's really going to take you to the direction that you need to go to. And obviously, if you're needing support around this, that is one of the biggest things that you could also do for yourself because you're not necessarily getting support in the moment of crisis. Actually, if you're in the moment of crisis, you're perhaps a little bit too far gone. You're actually needing to get support before things get too bad so that you can do a regular check-in and to make sure that things are going okay and going well between you both. If you ever want to get in touch, you will find my details in the show notes below. And until next time, take care. If you like this show, please do me three solids. First, share it with a friend, because if you found it helpful, I bet you that one of your friends will do too. Second, subscribe so that you never get to miss an episode. And third, please rate the show to help other people find life-changing content. I'm on a mission to help as many people as possible have a healthy and fulfilling relationship. So please help me in my mission.